You're listening to Yes to Employment, a podcast series that seeks to improve competitive integrated employment outcomes for transition-aged youth and young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Today, the Yes Center's Delver Stegen, Sean Roy, and Laura Owens fan out across the Partnerships and Employment States for a five-year retrospective on the PIE state projects. We put four questions to each team. Number one, why did your state apply for a PIE grant? Two, what was the role of your consortium during your PIE project, and how will it continue after the grant period ends? Three, what did you learn that would be valuable for other states to know? And four, what are you most proud of as a result of your PIE program? So today, we talk with... Rebecca Ceylon. I'm with the State Office of Policy Planning and Innovation at the DC Department on Disability Services, and I've been part of the PI grant from the beginning. And I'm Montreal, Tennessee. I'm the project manager uh, for the PI grant. Uh, and here we call it DC Learners and Earners, and I also work for the State Office of Policy Planning and Innovation. I'm uh, Jeff White. I'm project director of the Kentucky Works PI grant at the Human Development Institute at the University of Kentucky. And hello, everyone. I'm Johnny Collette. I'm the deputy director at the University of Kentucky Human Development Institute. I'm Margaret Van Gelder. I work as the statewide director of family and employment support at the Massachusetts Department of Developmental Services and have been the project lead for the Mass Partnership for Transition to Employment. And hi, I'm David Hoff with the Institute for Community Inclusion at UMass Boston. I have coordinate the technical assistance support um, for our Massachusetts project. My name is Sandy Jordan and I am the Director of Employment Programs at ABLE South Carolina. I'm Kelly Hess and I am with the Institute for Disability Research Policy and Practice at Utah State University and I'm the Utah School to Work Project Coordinator. And I'm Trisha Jones-Parkin, and I also work for the Institute on Disability Research Policy and Practice, and we're at Utah State University, and um, I'm the project director for the Partnership and Employment Systems Change Grant. This Yes Center five-year retrospective is in two parts. In part one, we talk with the District of Columbia, Kentucky, and Massachusetts. In part two, we hear from South Carolina and Utah. You can find the other installment of this interview series, as well as the rest of the Yes Center podcasts, at yes2employment.org slash podcast. Part four, South Carolina's Hire Me SC project. I'm speaking today with uh, Sandy Jordan uh, with ABLE South Carolina. Hello, Sandy. Uh, could you introduce yourself in terms of your role and your organization? Hey, Dale. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so great to be here today. Um, like Dale said, my name is Sandy Jordan, and I am the Director of Employment Programs at ABLE South Carolina, where I oversee um, all of our employment services and supports. Um, there, and that uh, not only includes individual services, but also some of our systemic uh, statewide work. Great. Thank you, Sandy. Um, so 
What were the needs and issues that South Carolina was facing that when you saw the RFP for the uh, applying for the Pi Grant, uh, you and your organization was motivated to apply? Yeah, so Able South Carolina, like you said, Dale, is a center for independent living, uh, which means that at least half of our staff are people with disabilities. And since the majority of our staff are people with disabilities, we saw the systemic employment barriers people with disabilities were facing in South Carolina. Um, not only from a personal standpoint, since many of our staff were facing um, or had faced those same barriers in the past, but also professionally as well. Um, so as people with disabilities, we've experienced long waiting lines for access to Medicaid waivers, uh, delays in services from disability employment agencies, discrimination biased, um, whether intentional or unintentional, from employers, uh, school to shelter workshop pipeline, um, and lack of support and accommodations from training institutions. And so, you know, that's just a sampling of some of the barriers many of us um, and, and our consumers faced. And so we really saw the PI grant as an avenue to shine a spotlight on these systemic barriers and create long-term momentum around eliminating eliminating those barriers. And we um, already had started a coalition, a statewide coalition back in 2014. And so when the RFP came out in 2016, uh, we had actually already started um, some of this momentum and, and increased collaborations and partnership. And so we saw the PI grant as an extension to that work and, and for us to really be able to, to focus in on some of those uh, systems barriers. What has been the role of the consortium that you put together as part of the PI grant in addressing in, uh, some of these uh, uh, issues and, and systemic barriers that you just described? So our consortium is called the Infrastructure Committee. And we have 13 partnering agencies that signed an MOU with ABLE South Carolina at the beginning of the PI grant. So that way they knew their roles and responsibilities to the project. And since the beginning of the PI grant in 2016, that consortium has met monthly to not only oversee the PI grant work, but also to work on the systemic barriers I mentioned earlier. And some of the accomplishments of the uh, infrastructure or the consortium committee thus far has been um, that we have started doing systems process mapping, where we mapped out six agencies focused on disability employment and detailed how a consumer flows through um, that process, through that agency. And so we detailed points of interaction, points of collaboration, and any internal or external barriers a consumer may face in that process. And this was an effort to really help us understand the systems, bar uh, the systems better and understand um, what barriers consumers were facing. And since completing those systems map, we have taken that process a step further and started doing journey mapping where we interview inter individual consumers document their experiences through these different agencies. And 
we present that journey map to the systems um, in those consortium meetings and talk about the barriers the consumers face. We formulate ideas for improvement within the system, and we encourage um, collaborative efforts to decrease uh, barriers. We've also, within that consortium, seen a collabor uh, increased collaboration between vocational rehabilitation and our DD agency, uh, Department of Mental Health and our DD agency, and also our blind agency having more access to, um, to services, um, to, to different partnerships. We have also worked on some legislation. So we currently have two bills that are focused on disability employment right now, um, the Employment First Act, and then also a joint resolution to end subminimum wage. And um, those bills uh, were not passed during this session, but they will carry over uh, during our next, next legislative session, which will be next year. So Sandy, in the process of, of, of doing the work that you just described, what is one challenge that uh, your, your project and the consortium faced? One challenge that, that we faced is just um, not being able to finish everything that, that we want to finish within you know, a five-year uh, time frame. Um, you think that, that five years is a, is a long time, and, and we have accomplished so many things over, over these past years. Um, you know, there's so much more. Um, than even what I mentioned previously that we've been able to accomplish. But um, the systems didn't, didn't get this way overnight, and so they're not going to change overnight. So there's still so much work uh, to do. And um, we, after, um, even after the PI grant ends, we are going to be carrying over this work, and we are going to be continuing the um, consortium meetings so that way we can continue to address these systemic barriers and, um, and, and continue to, to work through some of these challenges. That's exciting to hear that the consortium is gonna continue its work. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, so what is one highlight in terms, of, I know you've talked about a number of successes that you've had, but uh, what is one success that you'd like to highlight in terms of perhaps an outcome of the Pi Grant activities? Yeah, so we have a, a wonderful success story um, that actually started in 2019. Uh, we had Still Hands Brewing, um, which is in Casey, South Carolina. They reached out to us through Hire Me SC, which is our statewide campaign that encompasses the work that we've done through the initiative. And still hands express interest in hiring an individual with a disability. Because of the partnerships and collaboration um, this initiative has built, we connected still hands with a local DD provider in their area, and they were able to place Mike into a position at still hands. Uh, Mike is a middle-aged man with a intellectual disability and has just been the perfect fit um, for Still Hands and the perfect job opportunity for Mike. Uh, there was actually a newspaper article written last year highlighting the partnership. It is on our website at www.hiremesc.org. Uh, Mike has now been employed at Still Hands for almost two years now 
and continues to thrive there. And because of that collaboration and that partnership, we've seen other breweries um, reaching out to us in South Carolina, wanting to hire people with disabilities, wanting to learn more about the initiative. And so that has really helped to dispel um, some of those negative biases um, about people with disabilities and about the employment capabilities of people with disabilities. Thank you, Sandy, and thank you for your time today uh, in, in sharing this information with us regarding uh, uh, all the good work that you've been doing in South Carolina. And congratulations on, uh, on a very successful project. Thank you. Part five, Utah's School-to-Work Interagency Transition Initiative. Hi, my name is Laura Owens, and I am the president of Transcend and one of the technical assistance providers uh, for the YES Center, which is our Partnerships and Employment Systems Change Grant. And I'm here today with Trisha Jones-Parkin and Kelly Hess uh, from Utah. So Kelly um, and Trisha, whoever would like to go first, would you introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Kelly Hess, and I am with the Institute for Disability Research Policy and Practice at Utah State University, and I'm the Utah School to Work Project Coordinator. Thank you. Trisha? And I'm Trisha Jones-Parkin, and I also work for the Institute on Disability Research Policy and Practice. Sorry, we, we recently changed our name, and I'm it's not quite... Um, rolling off my tongue as easily as it did with Kelly. Um, and we're at Utah State University. And um, I'm the project director for the Partnership and Employment Systems Change Grant. And then I also do customized employment training in our state um, through a contract with vocational rehabilitation. Great, well, welcome and thanks for uh, participating in this podcast. So why did Utah apply for one of the Partnerships and Employment Systems Change Grants to begin with? Well, I, uh, this is a really great question, and Kelly and I had a really good time as we prepared for this podcast and, and really kind of going back to why we, um, you know, what, what our roots were, and um, so we enjoyed, you know, thinking about that. It feels like such a long time ago, but really, um, you know, there had been quite a bit of momentum built with goals that we had developed. Um, we had applied through the Office of Disability Employment Policy, the Employment First State Leadership Mentoring Program, another mouthful of EFSLMP is the acronym for that. And one of the focus areas that we chose in that initiative was school to work. We knew that we had some work to do. We had, you know, we'd had some, uh, you know, Kelly and I had done a little bit of presenting and a little bit of partnering with the transition folks at the State Board of Education, but nothing was really formalized. And so in that first year, we really created a foundation for, for what is our consortium for the PI grant. And we identified goals as a state amongst leadership and created this interagency council, which is what we refer to our consortium as. And we developed it, you know, we wanted to develop more targeted efforts towards students that were connected to developmental disability services, um, and either on the waiting list or in the waiver and build capacity that way. And we had talked about demonstration projects. We put together a charter and identified things that we were going to do. And really at that 
you know, the next uh, moment, the application came out for the Pi Grant, and we felt that we were really just well poised um, to, to apply. We had also been doing some demonstration projects with customized employment and collaboration in a few districts in our state. And um, so we we'd kind of start under, we really were starting to understand what some of those gaps and challenges were. Um, you know, when we worked with districts that were doing pretty well and it seemed like they would, you know, take this on. And so that was kind of the framework that we built the application for the grant from was this initial work that we had done with um, the Office of Disability Employment Policy and subject matter experts, and then also the on-the-ground work that we had done with the districts. And th that's really kind of how we, we came to um, apply. We felt like we had this support at both the state and local levels to be able to um, build on the work that we were doing. And I, I also found myself being really frustrated just by the lack of opportunities or resources or um, interests, for lack of a better word, in some outside influence to, to improve our practices in our state. Um, as I was learning so much about, you know, what was happening, I was frustrated that there wasn't, there didn't seem to be this sense of urgency. And so I felt like the grant was a really great way to connect with other states and have this, you know, federal kind of presence. It was the first grant that I'd ever applied for and wrote for. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, and I certainly didn't expect to get it. And so that's really kind of the, the core of, of why we asked. But we really just wanted to be able to build on what we had started and, and, and hope that we could um, do that over the course of the grant. Great. Thank you. Wow, your first grant and you got it right off the starting blacks that's awesome Trisha <laughs> I had a lot of support from folks at the what was then the Center for Persons with Disabilities and um, you know a lot of the subject matter experts that that had been coming into our state um, and and working with us Sarah Murphy from Transcend was really helpful and I you know sent a lot of things with her to her to kind of view and bounce ideas off of so I think there was just there's all this support that I um, I know that I couldn't have done done it without, and um, yeah. yeah, it was it was been nice to reflect on what that felt like and and the why. So thank you. Yeah, great synergy, excellent. Thank you. So um, you talked about the interagency council, which is your consortium. Could you talk a little bit about the role of the consortium and how that consortium or interagency council? might continue as part of your sustainability plan now that the grant is ending? Yeah, um, I can talk a little bit about that. So like, like Trisha said, um, we, there had been some work done prior to us getting the PI grant. And so we'd already kind of pulled together some partnering agencies. And, and that really was kind of, we added a few more partners once we had the PI grant, but those partners really were um, the, the players that were became part of our consortium. And um, the focus and the foundations of collaboration within our grant from the consortium level to the local team level, um, we just, we felt like we were able to develop strong 
cooperative relationships and that our efforts with those partners really did align and intersect with immediate and also some of the, the long-term goals that um, agencies and rep that represented that were represented in the school to work consortium. So an example is um, the school to work project staff were were we've been kind of integrated in some of the capacity building initiatives within the state um, that include representation from organizations focusing on transition. And this includes the Utah State Board of Education. And so just as we've kind of moved forward through these years, a lot of our goals and, um, and values have just really kind of been aligned. And so there's there's been a lot of crossover in different collaborations and projects. And it kind of, I mean, I don't know, Trisha, I feel like it was it was fairly natural. Um, we were also able to kind of work with these partners to build some really great um, tools and resources that are kind of became one of our our efforts to ensure that we had some sustainability efforts. And um, again, those those tools just really, once we got talking with, with our partners, we saw that we all kind of wanted um, some of the same things. And so it was it was easy to, to collaborate. That's great. Usually the word easy and collaborate don't go hand in hand very often when it comes to systems change. So that's awesome that you were able to pull that council together and, and really work on that collaboration. So one of the things that I think uh, um, Utah stands out in my mind is um, you really focused on individuals with high support needs, transitioning students with more significant disabilities. So um, what, what's one lesson you learned that would be valuable for other states to know um, that you maybe want to highlight at the culmination of your, your project? Oh, boy. Um, again, Trish and I were talking yesterday, and this is, it's really hard to think of just one lesson because there have been many, um, but as we were talking and just trying to think about one or the the biggest just like one to focus on we we both agreed that um expectations um in kind of a nutshell that's what it all boils down to and there's there's so many layers to the idea of expectations um as we mentioned before we had piloted this work in a couple of local school sites and we thought that we had a decent understanding of what transition services look like across the state. Um, and then districts apply to participate and receive um, resources and technical assistance through the grant. And we asked a lot of questions with the, the goal to ensure that um, there was a good fit between what we were offering and what the demonstration sites were willing to, to do and, and, and their desire to kind of improve practices and hold, um, hold high expectations for 
all students. And uh, what we learned though, is that there um, are, there's a need to be, there needs to be much greater effort in um, individualized experiences for, for students and raising expectations for all people. This, this includes educators and parents, even employment specialists, VR counselors, really everyone. We just kind of were a little bit naive when we first start, started on what people's expectations for employment were. And as we got going, we, we kind of had a little bit of a, a reality check when we saw that there was going to need to be some quite a bit of work in that, um, that area of, of growing and, and developing expectations for some of these students that, that do have more complex, complex needs. So um, when we talk about like what, why we got started and um, we, we, and as we move forward, we realized that um, not all of the sites that, that applied and that we interviewed were, were considered um, on board or align with, with what we were asking schools to do. And that did create some challenges, but um, we worked through them. And I think overall, even though we haven't had the outcomes that you know we envisioned at the very beginning, um, I think that we did make some, some progress towards changing ex expectations um, within many different roles from the educator to parents to the students themselves. I would agree with that. I think, you know, and, and I, I know we've, we've used this word of, of transformation a lot in terms of, you know, provider systems and, and all those sorts of things. But I, I really don't know that there's a better word that we didn't necessarily understand you know, coming from the adult side and then, you know, trying to collaborate and infuse what it would mean and how it would look to coordinate these adult services for students, um, you know, from our perspective, I think we had, we thought more things were in place. And so, you know, and I don't know if going back is the right word to say or what those valuable lessons were, but if we, you know, especially in those early times with those sites, I think we, we maybe would have tried to do a little bit better assessment and then maybe we wouldn't maybe have started working directly with students right away. We would have maybe helped them do a little bit better development so they were better poised um, because it just kind of impacted the dynamics within the provider system and the VR system. And, and it, I don't know that blame is the right word, but you know when you're looking at time-limited services, there it seems like everybody's now expecting this provider to do everything that they maybe could have been doing in the previous three years and not to you know point fingers or any of those things but just some of those challenges were uncovered through this project which is also part of the purpose of it right is to understand where some of the challenges are and how you you um identify so those some of those things so we started making some additional pieces you know in the last couple of years of the grant um but we didn't really know what to do initially with those sites. We just kind of kept plugging away and 
and hoping that they would get on board. And I don't know that we had all of the right tools to offer them in the beginning. Yeah. So they, you know, they say that hindsight is always 2020. So, so thinking back, I mean, I think that is a legitimate lesson. So um, in terms of sustainability, how, how would you use that lesson to, I mean, you know, maintain and, and continue the work that you've done uh, with the schools and this population of, of young adults? Well, Kelly, I'm sure you have some thoughts for me. I think that's what really guided the toolkit that we created. I mean, it was really formulated with a lot of those lessons learned. And Lara, you helped so much with helping us put that together and, and organize that work. So, because it was sitting in there for a long time and we couldn't figure out how to get it all, all uh, succinctly packaged. And, and so now we have this really nice, um, you know, kind of blueprint that we can continue to add resources to. So I do think, right, we use some of those pieces to be able to then um, offer some things long-term. We're starting to work with another um, district this year with our no-cost extension. And we certainly have had um, some really good outcomes. I don't know that we, you know, I think we talked about them at various points during the project, but, you know, the, where employment was such the focus, you know, that was definitely the focus, but then because there was this collaborative team with all of these great resources, you know, we also helped support a student that was that um, was not a citizen, kind of go through and figure out what he needed to be able to get um, waiver services that, I mean, he was in a pretty neglectful situation that was impacting his ability to pursue employment and all of those basic kinds of things. And that team came together and coordinated that. Another young woman was really struggling in a care facility, which wasn't a good for her fit for her. And because of the collaboration of that team helped her move into a supported living situation in the community. And she's now, um, and she's looking at employment. You know, we've had several instances where without this collaboration of the team, you know, these particular students, I'm not sure what would have happened. Um, but I do know that these, this collaborative effort in their behalf made a huge difference. Um, and then we had some systems change things that, that we're proud of as well um, as a result of the project. So if Kelly, if you want to talk about those or if we have time. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, that was uh, kind of our final question was to think about, you know, what is one highlight or successful outcome, but I think you've had many um, highlights and successful outcomes that you're really proud of as a result of this project. And so, um, you know, I think your toolkit is absolutely phenomenal and one that I'm glad you highlighted, um, but I think there are others. And Kelly, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Like, this was a good experience just to kind of like think of our, the last five years, the project as a whole, and to look at, um, you know, why we started and, and the successes and, and challenges. And, and there have been, the challenges have been many, many things that we just did not anticipate or that were not within our control. But, but overall, when I think about the work that we've been able to do and, and the partnerships we've been able to develop and, um, and the out, like, even the employment outcomes we've been able to reach. I am really happy with, with what we've been able to do and 
like Trisha mentioned, there's there's been times where we, because of, um, you know, just really looking at the process of students accessing the, the different services, we've been able to uncover some some challenges and even change some some policy and some practices. Um, one example is that as students were accessing internships through WIOA, this kind of helped us recognize that one of the barriers was the TABE test, which is a test that was required for students to access WIOA services. And it was a challenge for the students that we were working with. And so um, we were able to um, look at that test requirement being waived for someone who is going through the discovery process and accessing WIOA youth services. Um, I just, when I think about the teams, some of them have struggled, but the ones that have really been able to um, keep going and get to that place where they are a cohesive and well-functioning team, they there is so much power and strength and they've been able to do some really incredible things for students, whether it be actual employment outcomes or just like Trisha mentioned, helping them um, navigate through some pretty significant barriers that were in the way of them even thinking about employment. And I, I feel confident in saying that if you were to ask any of our project demonstration teams, um, they would all speak to the value of that collaboration and the, the value of working together as a team, because, you know, like, this is difficult work and it's it's very difficult if only one group is trying to um, you know produce these good outcomes on their own but when you bring people together and bring everybody to the table and and brainstorm and strategize and pull resources then we are able to achieve some some really amazing things and um, we're proud of the push for, for customized work, customized employment in our school work projects and bringing to light some of the challenges that exist so that change could be made to improve and even looking at the funding structures and ultimately the, the customized employment training that was funded by VR. And um, this has really strengthened uh, Utah's commitment to customized employment. And I think that's that's something that, that was a huge barrier within this project, but I'm so thrilled to see that we've been able to actually do something that addresses that challenge. That's great. Um, any final thoughts on the project and um, any new things you're thinking about for your no-cost extension as you're moving towards the end of this project and trying to figure out ways to sustain uh, the work that you're doing? We do have some things in the work. We had mentioned that we have a, um, a, a district, I guess for lack of a better word, a district that has that approached us and said, we're really interested in, in doing this with, with our with our students um, and it's students who experience dual sensory loss. And it's certainly not a, a population that, that Kelly and I worked with. And so we're learning too. And out of that, 
um, we will be creating a course that is not as intensive, obviously, as a customized acre credential or even the, the course that I'm offering through the university that we're tailoring for educators um, that will be kind of a hybrid of online and, and then um, some classroom situation. And because we're leveraging some of those dollars, that will be a resource that will be ongoing. So we'll have some training for educators specifically around customized employment and gear towards them in terms of their role, things they can do in the classroom, how to connect those pieces to the IEP. Um, you know, and then we're, we're building some other um, tools specifically for, for educators as well. Um, what are some of the other things we're focusing on, Kel? Um, I mean, that's kind of the thing that's the, the focus in my mind, right? right this 30 seconds, but um, we also have plans. We, we part, partnered with um, the Utah State Board of Education and VR to develop um, some, some tools that pair very, very nicely with the toolkit that we built. And so we do have some, some plans to um, develop some trainings for educators on how to really make the most out of those tools and um, I'm, I'm excited about that and I think that um, you know this this has been such such an opportunity for for us and I I just love that um, we've been able to start something here in Utah that that really does focus on students with significant disabilities because I feel like that's that's an area that hasn't been looked at as as much as it should and so I feel that because of the last five years um that's changed I think now people are are thinking more and um when we're talking about all it means something different than than what it meant a couple of years ago that's a great space to end with that quote all all means something different all actually really means all Great. Well, thank you guys so much. Good luck continuing uh, your project and your work. It's so exciting. And it's been such a pleasure working with you over these last five years. You've done an amazing, amazing things in Utah. So thank you so much. Thank well, you. Thank you for the opportunity to chat and for all of your support. It's been just a great experience. You've been listening to Yes to Employment a podcast that seeks to improve competitive integrated employment outcomes for transition-aged youth and young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Today we spoke, sadly for the last time, with representatives from the District of Columbia, Kentucky, Massachusetts, South Carolina, and Utah Partnerships and Employment Projects. For more about the PIE State Projects, visit, well, the YES Center at www.yestoemployment.org. For more about the Yes to Employment podcast, including show notes, links to the resources discussed, a complete transcript, and a schedule of episodes, visit www.yestoemployment.org slash podcast. You can subscribe through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app to have the series delivered automatically to your device so you never miss an episode. Yes to Employment is a production of the Youth Employment Solutions Center the National Training and Technical Assistance Center that serves as a hub of information and expertise for the Partnerships in Employment, or PIE, state projects. The YES Center is a collaboration of TASH and Transcend. You can learn more about TASH at TASH.org, 
and more about Transcend at transcend.org. That's T-R-A-N-S-C-E-N dot org. You can receive updates from the Yes Center on this podcast and our other activities by following us on Facebook or on Twitter at yes to employment Partnerships in Employment is a series of seed grants funded by the Administration for Community Living's Administration on Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities, made to states for the purpose of transforming state disability support systems to competitive integrated employment. AIDD is dedicated to ensuring that individuals with developmental disabilities and their families are able to fully participate in and contribute to all aspects of community life in the United States and its territories. Music for Yes to Employment is an original composition and performance by Sonny Seferati, the co-director and autistic self-advocacy mentor at The Musical Autist. You can learn more about The Musical Autist at www.themusicalautist.com.